This is episode 25 of Chew the Clock. I'm your host, Peter Gibbs, and this episode was recorded on Wednesday, May 17th. What I'm going to be doing today is breaking down all the different matchups in the conference finals for both the National Basketball Association and the National Hockey League. These matchups include the LA Lakers and the Denver Nuggets, the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics, the Dallas Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. All that more right after this. Carolina Hurricanes and Florida Panthers matchup. Now, I'm a big hockey guy, and so I know a little bit more than the average person who might be listening. What this matchup is, you've got the biggest upset in possibly the history of National Hockey League, where the Florida Panthers took on the Boston Bruins, and the Bruins, keep this in mind, had the record for most wins in a season. So... Florida ended up not only winning that series, but coming back from down three to one. A huge accomplishment. They were the one of the last teams, I should say, getting into the playoffs. And what you have is a team that just has that grit. They have the ability to win games. They were actually the President's Cup winners from last season. And there's just a different feel. Teams playing on an all-time high with their main star, Matthew Kachuk, being the guy leading the way. And what they did also in that second round was take on the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have three of the top 10 highest paid players on their roster. And not only did they win the series, they won it in five games. Keep this in mind. Florida was able to keep Austin Matthews, who set the record for most goals in a Maple Leafs history last season with over 60, I believe. You also had John Tavares, who's getting paid about $12 million, and Mitch Marner, who's getting paid around $12 million. They kept those three guys to less than 10 points combined over five games. So there's no question that the Panthers can lock down a team, and they're on such a roll right now. They're able to take on anybody, able to defeat anybody, and while this isn't necessarily the toughest challenge yet, it's going to be interesting to see what the matchup will be like because their opponent is the Carolina Hurricanes. Carolina has been consistently a top team the last... I don't know, five years or so. And this team has a really good coach in Rod Brindamore, a former player himself, as well as a ton of depth. You've got guys like Brent Burns on the defense. And while they are missing fellas such as Sebastian Ajo and uh, I believe it's Timo Teravainen, something like that, 
the team is just good in every facet of the game. If you look at their depth chart, they've got, I believe it's Paul Stastny, who's on the fourth line. Paul Stastny, just a few years ago, was a first-line, second-liner, top six forward. It's incredible to see the depth, and Paul Stastny isn't one of those veterans where he's just tailed off towards the end of his career. He's still playing at a very good level. The only weakness I can see with Carolina is the goaltending. In the goaltending matchup, you have the bigger name in Sergei Bobrovsky for the par- the the Florida Panthers, excuse me. But the system and just the overall depth of the the Hurricanes is really what sets them apart compared to all the teams that the Panthers have faced in the past. So this is going to be a fun matchup and what I think is going to happen since both teams won in less than 6 games is Carolina is going to not win in five games. This will go six, maybe seven. I really want to pick Florida just because they are the underdog. They're a great story this season. They almost missed the playoffs entirely, and yet here they are in the Eastern Conference Finals, and there's just something about them. But I have to go with Carolina. The Hurricanes have too much depth. I don't think their goaltending will be too much of an issue. And I have to just pick them. So my selection to make it to the Stanley Cup in the Eastern Conference is the Carolina Hurricanes winning in six games. I'm going with six. I just don't think the depth of the Panthers can keep up with the depth of the Hurricanes. Moving on, we're going to go with the Western Conference. Now, this one's fun, actually. It's a rematch of 2020, and that's a theme that you'll catch on a little later. But you've got the Dallas Stars, and you've got the Vegas Golden Knights. They squared off in the bubble championship back in 2020, where it was held in Edmonton. And I believe it was Dallas winning in six games, something like that. This Vegas team is completely different, but I also have to say that this Dallas team is so much more than what it was a few years ago. We'll talk about Dallas first because one, I'm a Vegas fan, and two, I just think Dallas is an interesting case here. They just defeated the Seattle Kraken, the newest expansion team, in seven games. In Game 7, they looked really good. They didn't give up a goal until an extra man on the ice with 17 seconds left. It made the score be 2-1, to and it was just out of of the, the question at that point. Dallas has a new coach this year. His name is Pete DeBoer. And what's really interesting is he was Vegas' coach last season and a couple seasons before then. So it's a bit of a rivalry without being an actual rivalry. The two teams have faced each other here and there from time to time, and they're both in the Western Conference, so you know they will square off once in a while. But this coaching matchup really takes it to the next level. 
Pete DeBoer is going to be looking to get revenge on Vegas, and Vegas is going to be trying to prove why not only they got rid of the guy, but they're trying to prove that their method is winnable. What I mean by that is Vegas got back its captain for the playoffs, Mark Stone, but they went over the cap in the postseason, which is actually allowed. You are able to go over the cap. Most people don't like that, but it's in the rules, and the Tampa Bay Lightning did that a few seasons ago with MVP uh, Nikita Kucherov, so it's a thing that has happened in the past. Anyways, I digress. We'll look at the strategies here, and Dallas doesn't necessarily have the depth. They have a really strong three lines. Their fourth line is not as strong as Vegas's, though. Then you look at the defense, and they brought in a couple other guys, and really, it all comes down to the goaltending. And in this matchup, Dallas has the better goaltender by far. Jake Ottinger, last season in the playoffs, ended up making, I believe, 50 saves or something like that in Game 7 in overtime. Sadly, they lost to the Calgary Flames, but it just proved why Andre is so good. Then you look at Vegas, and Vegas has, well, their starter for the first game is likely to be Aiden Hill, the guy who was just picked up for a fourth-round pick over the offseason, and he isn't a guy who you necessarily can think of being a Stanley Cup starting goaltender. But that's where Vegas has its strategy. They will win the possession battle. They will beat you with their depth. Their defensive core is super strong. And the strategy they have is to set it up where whenever a shot does come at the goaltender, it's an easy save. So in this one, Vegas does have the home ice advantage. And my prediction is, this might be a little biased, Vegas in six. Now, I'm probably wrong. One of these matchups is going seven for sure. But Vegas in six seems very likely just because... They've been able to have a really strong second period, and the star power matches up about the same compared to stars, and it just comes down to that depth. And like I said with the Hurricanes, the Golden Knights just have the same amount of depth. So with that, my Stanley Cup Finals matchup will be the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm not going to necessarily give out who wins that yet. That will be for a later episode. But it's going to be super interesting to see which teams actually do come through. Hopefully my prediction is right. But the Stanley Cup playoffs have been super fun to watch. And I wouldn't be shocked if both series go to Game 7 again. Now let's move on to the National Basketball Association. We'll start off with the Eastern Conference, just like I did with the NHL. What we have is another rematch of 2020, where the Boston Celtics are the home advantage team against the Miami Heat. This one's going to be really, really good. And if my guy Hayden Kulik was here, he would be telling you that the Heat will win and sweep the Boston Celtics in four, but that's just not going to happen. Boston made the finals last year, and on their way to doing so, they actually defeated the Heat in seven games on the road in the semifinals. 
So what do we think will happen this time? Boston's been a better team. They've gotten better. They have a new coach, actually. But they run a different offense than last season. Joe Mazzulla, the Celtics head coach, has implemented a strategy where they don't really run as many set plays as a typical team would. What they do instead is just give it to their stars and they let them create something whenever they would like. And it works for the most part. Sometimes you'll have a bad game, such as Jason Tatum in game six, I believe, where he shot terribly in the first half. Others, you'll have Jason Tatum in the game seven against the Sixers last round, where he scored 51 points and set a record for most points in a game seven. But matching up against the Heat is so interesting because they know each other so well, they play hard against one another, and this one's going to come down to if the Celtic stars can just stay consistent. Because you look at the Heat, and Jimmy Butler's been on fire, and you know for sure he's going to give you about 30 a game. The rest of the team has been hit or miss, but Jimmy Butler's been able to will them to wins, and the defense on the Miami Heat has been good enough to where they don't need to score 120 points a game. Meanwhile, the Celtics have the depth advantage, and that's going to play into a factor if this series goes long, which I expect it will. But the Heat do have possibly, and this might be a bold take, but I think they have the better playoff player than the Celtics do. Jimmy Butler has been incredible, and I always like to take the team that has the better player. Overall, talent-wise, it's clear that the Celtics, even in the regular season, have two players better than Jimmy Butler in both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But here in this playoff series, I just think Jimmy Butler is going to do incredible things to keep willing his team to wins. And so that's why, with my prediction, I have in seven games, the Boston Celtics winning. Yeah, I know, Boston Celtics. Wow, what a shocker. You would have thought I was leaning that up for the Miami Heat to win it all. But no, I think uh, the Boston Celtics, they made it last year. They're a very good team, very well coached. And the depth is what will do it. They have the ability, as we saw last year, to not only defeat the Heat, but also get as far as they did. And really, it's just going to be too much. If Jason Tatum has a bad night, Jalen Brown has a good night. If the other falters, one guy steps up. Celtics just have the talented pieces, whereas the Heat are relying on Duncan Robinson and Kevin Love to do great things. And while... Maybe three or four years ago, that would be a smart strategy, and it was. It's just not going to work this year. I know Hayden's going to be upset about my prediction, but at the end of the day, Boston just has more talent. They have two really good players compared to the Heat's one ultra-great player, and I think that's just going to cancel it out. So there you go. Representing the East in the NBA Finals is going to be the Boston Celtics. And now, we move on to the West. At the time of this recording, there was already Game 1 last night between the Denver Nuggets and the LA Lakers. 
The Nuggets ended up winning that matchup by, I believe it was six points. It was about 134, 128, something like that. And what I saw, because I, I'm a Lakers fan, I watched that game. What I noticed is this game will really set a tone on what the adjustments will be for the rest of the series. The Lakers start off poorly. They were getting out-rebounded like crazy. Nikola Jokic, I believe, had 12 rebounds in the first quarter alone. And he's going up against Anthony Davis, who is a premier player in the league. So, really, when you look at it, you think, wow, Denver must be super good. They must just have the ability to crush the Lakers in every game. And I disagree. The Lakers shot really well. I'll give them that. And they lost by six. So, you know, I don't expect them to shoot as well as they did. Rui Hachimura shot incredibly well. And that will probably not happen every game. But at the same time, I was looking at the box score last night after the game was over. And the Denver Nuggets had six players in double digits. And I believe four or five of them had over 50% shooting from the field. That's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen in every game. We already know what the Lakers will probably do. Their head coach, Darvin Ham, as well as a few players on the team, said that the bigger lineups will come and play more often than the small ball lineups that the Lakers used against the Warriors last series. That means you'll probably have Rui Hachimura taking on, let's say, Aaron Gordon. LeBron James will be guarding up against Michael Porter Jr., something like that. And overall, it's just going to be what can the Lakers do to offset the timing of the Nuggets? I think they have the ability. Denver is a weird place to play in because of the elevation, but the Lakers looked really good in the second half of Game 1. The Nuggets did not. Nikola Jokic didn't score much in the fourth quarter at all, and while he did have a 30-point triple-double, Most of those 30 points came in the first three quarters. So my prediction here is this one will go to game seven. And I just don't know how game seven will go. LeBron James is, I think the stat came out yesterday where he's 11 and one in series, in conference final series, something like that. His only loss came in... uh, 2010, I believe is what it was, 2009-2010, when he lost to the Orlando Magic. The thing about that team, though, was they had a Hall of Fame caliber center in Dwight Howard, similar to, you know, the current day Denver Nuggets. But it's LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and the rest of the Lakers are really strong. They're a great team. So in Game 7, the Los Angeles Lakers will actually lose. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm throwing another curveball. I'm throwing a shocker at you. You can insert the gasp here. Denver just has the ability in the high altitude to really dismantle the conditioning of any team. And the Lakers have not won as much on the road as they would hope for. They've only won one game in their last six on the road, and that was game one against the Golden State Warriors last round. 
Now, of course, if they win against the Denver Nuggets in Game 2 or Game 5, then I'll pick the Lakers to win it all and get to the finals. But I just don't see it happening. It's too tough of a road environment for the Lakers to go on. And with that, you've got the Denver Nuggets. They're going to lose every game in L.A. because L.A. is a just a great crowd and the Lakers have played really well there. But the home court advantage is what settles this series. And while it will be a great Game 7, I feel, it's just going to be too much for the Lakers down the stretch. And so your finals matchup in the year of our Lord, 2023, you have... The Denver Nuggets facing the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals. And you also have in the NHL, the Vegas Golden Knights taking on the Carolina Hurricanes. That's my prediction. I'm sticking with it. I will be wrong. I guarantee you. I also hope I'm wrong because I would love to see the Lakers make it. And I'd love to see the Golden Knights take on Florida. That'd be a great matchup. But that's my prediction. That will do it for this episode of Chew the Clock. I hope you agree with my predictions, or at least understand my logic. Uh, especially if you're not as big of a hockey fan, you'll kind of understand why I went with that. And go out and watch the games. They've been super exciting for both leagues this postseason. The statistic came out today that the NBA is watching the playoff games at about a 5 million viewers per game rate, which is a record, actually. Meanwhile, the NHL has had so many Game 7s, so many fun back-and-forth games that it's impossible not to watch playoff hockey. So go out, watch the NBA playoffs, watch the NHL playoffs, make your own prediction, follow along, pick a team, root for them, anything like that. And I hope that you kind of follow the same prediction as me, but you also root for my teams because go my teams. Go Lakers, go Golden Knights. But that's going to do it for this episode of Chew the Clock. Once again, you can follow us at Viewpoints on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Our handle is RCC Viewpoints. You can also go online to viewpointsonline.org to look at any of our breaking news stories, any of our upcoming sports stories, things like that. Until next time, this has been Peter Gibbs saying so long for now.